Welcome to NoSpinHomilies.com. I invite you to join me to reflect upon the homilies of Father Dan. Father Dan will challenge us to open our heart, mind, and soul to the Word of God. Father Dan will draw upon sacred scripture along with art, literature, and the lives of the saints to help us grow in our love and knowledge of the scripture. In doing so, we can become the living Word of God in this world. Now it is my pleasure to present to you No Spin Homilies. The scriptures for this weekend, we hear of God's righteousness, his passion to set all things right, especially when it comes to the poor, the needy, and the marginalized in our society. Great example of this is the Israelite nation themselves. It's by no accident that God chose the Israelites to manifest his revelation. It's by no accident that God chose the Israelite nation to be God's chosen people so that the Israelite nation would be the beacon to draw all other nations of this world to God. Now, God didn't reveal himself to the Babylonians, the Greeks, the Persians, the Romans. These are all great empires in our world history. Now, logic dictates that if there's any group of people that should receive God's revelation, it should be these mighty empires. Why not? They would have the clear and the best ability to promote and promulgate God's word amongst the entire world. But God didn't choose them. Instead, he chose the Israelite nation, a poor and oppressed people. And see, it's precisely out of the suffering of the Israelite nation that we come to see a keen and great sense of God's justice for the poor. And that's what Amos is getting at in the first reading. We first started reading Amos last week. And Amos is considered a minor prophet amongst all the prophets of the Old Testament. But nonetheless, his message is still very important for us. Amos lived in the 8th century BC, probably considered one of, if not the oldest, of all the prophets. He lived before the great prophets, Isaiah, Ezekiel, Jeremiah. Now, Amos preached against social injustice. One of his central tenets, as well as the central tenets of our Catholic Church, is compassion for others, especially those that are marginalized, neglected, and poor in our society. St. John Chrysostom, once said, a good test of our religious conviction is precisely the way we treat one another, especially those in need. Well, you know, that's a powerful statement for us all. And see, this is what Amos believed in. That's why he's criticizing those people that are complacent in their duty to help others. That's why the first reading begins, Woe to the complacent in Zion, lying upon beds of ivory, stretched comfortably on their couches, they eat lambs taken from their flock and calves from the stall. Now, we have to understand the context in which this reading is set in. The Israelite nation right now is cut in half. There is a northern kingdom and a southern kingdom. The southern kingdom, named Judah, is very well off. The people there are very rich. They want for nothing. Unfortunately, the northern kingdom, Israel, is not as fortunate. They are a nation that is in economic decline. There are many people there starving, going without food, and homeless. See, this is why Amos, at the very end of the reading for today, refers to the Israelite nation as the collapse of Joseph. The northern kingdom is on the verge of collapsing. And see, Amos criticizes the southern kingdom. 
The southern kingdom realizes what's going on in the north, and yet they are indifferent to it. They simply don't care. They won't lift a finger to help these poor people in their plight. That's why Amos says, They lie on beds of ivory, stretch comfortably on couches. Well, they are a people who want for nothing. Notice also, it says they eat lambs taken from the flock and calves from the stall. Well, the people in the southern kingdom, they have more than enough food to eat. And yet, herein lies the problem. They're indifferent to the suffering of the people in the northern kingdom. They know exactly what's going on up north. The plight of the people, they're starving to death. They're homeless. And yet, the southern kingdom won't do anything to help them. They're indifferent to their situation. Now, this message is important to us also. We, through baptism, are linked together. At the moment of our baptism, we all became the adopted sons and daughters of God the Father, brothers and sisters of Jesus Christ. And through subsequent sacraments, we all make up the body of Christ that Paul refers to, in which Jesus is the head. Therefore, we are all dependent upon each other. If we know of someone within the body of Christ that needs help, we must help them in order for our church, the body of Christ, to continue to flourish and be strong. I'll give you a good analogy. It's like our own bodies. In order for our body to flourish and be strong and healthy, all of the organs must be in harmony with one another, working together. And yet, there's no way the liver can say to the lungs, well, lungs, I'm sorry that you have cancer, but uh, you're not going to affect me. Well, wrong. If that cancer isn't treated, eventually it'll spread to all other organs of the body, and the body will die. Well, so too with us. If we know of someone in need, in our body of Christ, we must tend to that need. In order for the body of Christ to continue to flourish and be vital, And so Amos is telling the southern kingdom that same message. They cannot be different, indifferent to the suffering of the northern kingdom. Because sooner or later, the southern kingdom will also suffer. Eventually, the same thing will happen to them, and no one will be able to help them. Now, this is a great precursor into the gospel. Jesus, like Amos and most of the other prophets, they rail against being indifferent to the needs of the poor. Now, what's interesting about this parable, it's the exact same message that Amos is trying to teach the Israelites. The only difference is that in the first reading, there's a difference between two kingdoms. One is rich and one is poor. But in the gospel, in the parable, now you have one man who is rich and another man who is poor. Now, this parable, we might know it is entitled Dives and Lazarus. Lazarus is the poor man. Dives is not the name of the rich man. Instead, it's the Latin word for rich man. Now, how does it begin? There was a rich man who dressed in purple garments and fine linen and dined sumptuously each day. Now, Luke gives us some good details here. First, he dressed in purple garments. In the ancient world, purple was the color of royalty. So we know this man is very well off. In our day and age, he would be wearing a fine Armani suit. Notice also, he dines sumptuously every day, which means he has a great banquet before him every day. He has more food than he could possibly ever imagine or eat. He has more than enough, just like in the first reading with the southern kingdom. Now notice, 
The rich man is not given a name. We know the name of Lazarus, the poor man, but the rich man is not given a name. Again, we see how clever Luke is as an author. Names point to a connection, don't they? Well, Luke doesn't give this rich man a name. He wants to tell us this is what possibly could happen with wealth. It could isolate us from the rest of the world, such that we cling to ourselves and our possessions. We say to ourselves, well, I earned this. This is mine. Now you go and get your own. Well, the story continues. Lying at his door was a poor man named Lazarus, covered with sores, who would gladly have eaten his fill of scraps that fell from the rich man's table. Dogs even used to come and lick his sores. Well, this man is filled with sores, which tells us he doesn't have even enough money to go to a physician to be healed. More to it, the dogs. In the ancient world, if you were a Jew, you would not be near a dog. Now, all of us in our day and age, or most of us, like dogs. We have dogs as pets, but not if you were a Jew in the ancient world. Jews considered dogs unclean animals. And more to it, if you were touched by a dog, you became ritualistically impure. Therefore, you could not worship in the temple or in synagogue. So, if you were a Jew in the ancient world, you stayed very, very far away from dogs. And yet, notice where Lazarus is. He's lying at the door. He's at the same level of the dogs. And so, they come and lick his wounds. This tells us just how outcast Lazarus is. Notice also, this rich man, he's utterly unaware of Lazarus' presence. This man is lying at his door. So, in order for this rich man to leave his house or enter into it, what does he have to do? Well, he's got to step over Lazarus, doesn't he? Or walk around him? He sees this man. He's starving to death. This man needs medical care. And yet, this rich man, who's capable of helping him, is indifferent to him. He just doesn't care. Won't lift a finger. Now, when we hear this, it cries out within us, a sense of justice, doesn't it? A passion to set all things right. And that theme has echoed up and down for centuries in our church. Just this last Friday, we celebrated the feast of St. Vincent de Paul, a champion of the poor and the neglected in our world. You know, our church is filled with saints that have cared for people who are in need, who are poor and marginalized in our society. Throughout the gospel, you see God's passion for the poor. Great example of this is judgment, in which the people say to God, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, thirsty and give you drink, naked and clothe you? And God says what? When you've done these to the least of these, you've done it for me. And see, that lies at the heart of the message for this weekend. God identifies himself with the poor. That's why he chose the Israelite nation to be his chosen people. That's why Jesus was born into this world, not into a royal or a prominent family, but born into a very ordinary and poor family. God identifies himself with the poor. Therefore, when we minister to the poor, we are also ministering to God. I'll give you a great example of this. Mother Teresa, towards the end of her life, she was interviewed by many reporters. Well, one reporter asked her, how can you keep doing this? How can you keep feeding you know, babies that are starving, comforting people that are dying, clothing and bathing the homeless and feeding them. How can you keep doing it 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 
for over 40 years. You know, wouldn't you just get burned out? Well, she looked at the reporter and she says, I hold an infant that is starving and I try and feed that infant and I look into that infant's face. I comfort the person that is dying and I look into their face. I bandage and bathe a homeless person and help them find food and I look into their face. And each time I look into their face, I see the face of Christ and I can't look away. Instead, I'm compelled to love them. See, that lies at the heart of the message for this weekend. For us to see people in need, look into their face and see the face of Christ like Mother Teresa. And in doing so, we are compelled to love them and then to help them. And we can do it in many different ways. We can do it financial ways. We can contribute it to charitable organizations. We can give money to people that have fell victims to tornadoes or things like that. We can volunteer for charitable organizations, the St. Vincent de Paul. Those are people that look into the face of the needy and see the face of Christ and then help them. Well, helping people is not just in financial terms, but also emotionally. Maybe you know a person that is lonely. Well, pick up the phone, call them and just say, hey, I've been thinking about you. How are you doing? Doesn't also have to be emotionally or financially, but also spiritually. You know, look at the Mass, our petitions. We are constantly praying for people, people we have never even met or maybe never even will meet around the world. But nonetheless, they need our prayers. And so we pray for those people in need. What we have to recognize is Amos and Jesus are gently reminding us this weekend that we must continue, continue to see the need of people in our society even in our church, and respond to that need. Look into their face, see the face of Christ, and naturally be compelled to love them and care for them. And may the peace and the grace of Jesus Christ rest upon you always.